Thank you, Matt. Good morning, everyone. It's so wonderful to be together this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Daniel chapter 4 is what we're looking at this morning, and this is one of the most unusual chapters in the entire Bible because Daniel chapter 4 was written by a pagan king, and we have it in the Bible for us to read and learn from. God saw fit to have King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, write a letter, and, in this, and he takes this letter and puts it in what we have as the book of Daniel for us to learn from today. King Nebuchadnezzar was, at this time, the most powerful person in the entire world. No one came close to King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He had been a cruel king. He had killed people on a whim. It, it, whatever he wanted to do, he could do it. He built a massive palace and empire. He had great power. He captured and deported God's people, as you know. Of course, by God's plan, that was all a part of his plan. He almost killed all of those uh, magicians and sorcerers, as they were called, who could not tell him his dream and then interpret it. And we looked at that uh, a while back. He created a golden statue for everyone in all of his empire to worship, to bow down to, to praise and worship. And he was unifying religion and politics and power uh, all under the worship at this giant statue. King Nebuchadnezzar was the last person you would ever imagine would write a letter like he wrote that we have in Daniel chapter 4. And he wrote this letter for everyone in the entire world to read. He wanted everyone to hear this message of his. So turn with me to Daniel chapter 4, and let's look at verses 1 through 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, he writes, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion endures from generation to generation. This letter begins the way that it ends. And in the middle, he tells the story of how he got to this point that we read about in the beginning and the end. And we can tell he's done a 180. We, we're not sure what has happened at the beginning of this letter. Because the way he's writing the introduction is very different than the way he's been behaving throughout the book of Daniel so far. He's had glimpses of, of, of the true God and believing in him, but now it seems that he has totally turned towards God and put his faith in him. And he wants the entire world to know it, to know his love for God, to know that he worships God, that he praises God, that he serves God. He's got a message about God to tell the world. In verses 4 through 18, 
Nebuchadnezzar explains his most recent dream. As we know, he's been having these different dreams that God has given him, these different visions. And this one, like the others, has really troubled him. He said he was at ease in his house, prospering in his palace. You see, everything in his life was perfect, or so he thought. The way he felt all the possessions he had, all of the services that he had at his disposal, at his empire, everything he had, it was wonderful. It was a dream come true for everyone. He was sitting at the top, and he had this dream when he went to bed that night. And in that dream, what he saw made him terribly afraid. So he sent for his interpreters, but none of them could interpret his dream. This time he told them what it was about. And then he brings in Daniel for Daniel to interpret his dream for him. Now it's interesting that he, Daniel interpreted the dream, told him what his last dream was, then interpreted it. You would think he would just call Daniel first, right? We don't know why he waited till after he heard from everybody else. Maybe he wanted to just hear what they would say for entertainment. Or no matter what they said, he knew that Daniel would give him the truth. And he could compare that with what others said. He could depend on what Daniel would say to him because he knew God worked through Daniel. So he calls in Daniel and he says that Daniel has the spirit of the holy gods in him. See, right now he still doesn't quite get it, but he knows that something is special about Daniel. He knows that the God that Daniel worships is doing something special with him. And so he can count on, believe in the, the interpretation that Daniel would give him. So Daniel's, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream was this. He saw a giant tree in the middle of the earth. It was very strong. It reached all the way up to the heavens. And everyone in the whole world could see it. It was in the middle of the earth. And all humans and all animals could eat from the tree. That's how big it was. That's how magnificent it was. Its branches spread out all over. And all of the animals could come and get shade under this giant tree. And birds lived inside its branches. That was the dream. But then someone comes down out of heaven. A being comes out of heaven in verses 14 and 15 and says, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. So the tree gets totally chopped down and it doesn't bless everyone in the world like it had been doing. But that's not all. The angel, the angelic being then had words directly for King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, Let him, pointing to Nebuchadnezzar, be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. This is a very unusual experience that's happening, but this angelic being is coming from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and look what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen to you, Nebuchadnezzar. And that's what 
his dream is telling him. Now, why would God give him this dream? Why on earth would God be giving this dream to him? What is God trying to say to Nebuchadnezzar? Well, we see it in the next verse, in verse number 17. That the live, so he would know that the living, that all the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. So he's saying something to the king that he's been saying at other times that your kingdom is not yours. You, this isn't something that you did all by yourself. I put you there in that position, in that place as king. He wants the king to understand. He said that I want everybody to understand that the most high, meaning God, rules all of the kingdoms of men. And Nebuchadnezzar, you of anyone needs to understand who God is and sets over it the lowliest of men. Now, that's one thing that's doing is foreshadowing to Jesus and his coming kingdom, which we'll get to more later. Then Daniel interprets his dream to him in verses 19 through 27. He tells him that, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the great tree. The tree symbolizes your great power that you have in Babylon and throughout the world. And you will be chopped down with only a stump remaining. God's going to leave a little bit left of you, he tells him. Nebuchadnezzar, you will live like an animal outdoors in the fields for a period of time. And this will happen for a reason. Verse 25, we see the theme verse of this chapter. This is why, Nebuchadnezzar, that the most high, so that you will learn that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Nebuchadnezzar, you've got to learn this. You've got to learn who God is. And then when Nebuchadnezzar repents, we see in verse 26, he will get his kingdom back. But he's being told it's going to take a while. You're going to go through a period of time to learn this lesson. It's going to take you a while. And here's the important part of the lesson that he was supposed to learn. Verse 27, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins, Daniel says, by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may be perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. So Daniel has some strong words to him. He said, here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to understand there's a God. You need to understand who the real God is, the true king is. And Nebuchadnezzar, you need to turn your life around to God. You need to stop your sin. You need to live righteously. You need to care about uh, others and the poor and the well-being of your empire. And you need to turn to God and maybe he'll give you his kingdom back and lengthen your prosperity. Daniel boldly told the king, the most powerful person in the world, that he needed to repent and turn to God. The king could have, with one word, had him killed in the most horrible way. The king could have done whatever he wanted to do. And we don't we don't know the whole conversation. God doesn't tell us exactly how Nebuchadnezzar responds. We just don't know that. But God sees fit to tell us that Daniel stood there boldly 
and not only interpreted the dream, but told him what the message from God was for him, that he, the most powerful person in the whole world, needed to repent of his sins, live righteously, and turn to God. And that's what he wanted him to know. In fact, look back at verse number 19. Daniel was troubled by the interpretation. He was bothered by this. He didn't want to tell the king what the dream meant. The Bible says that he was dismayed and alarmed. And then Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel, it's okay, tell me. Go ahead, don't worry, don't be troubled. Tell me what the dream means. And so Daniel even says he wished that this dream would be true of Nebuchadnezzar's enemies, of those who hate him, that he wished this would be true of them and not Nebuchadnezzar. What does that tell us about their relationship? That tells us that Daniel, a holy man, a man who lived for God, who had already been standing up to the king from day one back when he refused to eat the king's food, that Daniel, who had been uh, uh, pulled from his home, that had been captured, that had lived and was renamed after a god of Babylon, that his whole identity was supposed to have been changed and become Babylonian. He was supposed to be stripped of his faith in God and and follow the the gods and the, the beliefs of this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar. And yet he seems to have an affection for, a care for, even a relationship with Nebuchadnezzar. We see that there's something there that there's a a mutual respect and concern for one another. There's some kind of relationship that has developed. And and perhaps King Nebuchadnezzar respected the boldness of Daniel and his faith, the strength that he had. And he respected what he had already seen God do through him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they worked closely together. He He had promoted Daniel and his three friends up through the ranks in his kingdom. And so... A relationship had developed of respect and uh, of some kind of friendship and care for one another. And Daniel didn't want to see this happen to Nebuchadnezzar. Now you would think if, if he was such an evil, horrible king, he would hope this would happen to him. But Daniel didn't want him to have to go through that. But he did want him to turn to God. But his His commitment to God was stronger than his care for Nebuchadnezzar. So much so that he he didn't back down from telling him the truth when he needed to tell him the truth of God's word. When he needed to communicate the message of God to him, even someone as powerful as Nebuchadnezzar, he didn't back down when he had the opportunity, when God put him there in that situation to communicate God's message to him, he didn't back down. And that's one of the things God wants us to see in chapter 4, is that when we have an opportunity to communicate God's word, to say what God needs to be said to somebody, even somebody in authority over us, even somebody who's powerful, influential, who maybe holds the keys to our future, who maybe writes the checks to us, they, they did the hiring and they can do the firing, they do the evaluations, they, they have say-so in promotions and raises, they... They're the authority, and yet God says, I need you to say this to them, to communicate my word to them, to turn to me. God may put you in a situation where you need to speak God's truth to somebody, even somebody who's powerful in your life. And so 
we see that Nebuchadnezzar, unfortunately, didn't listen, did he? But we see that you can disagree with the lifestyle of somebody. You can totally disagree with the way they're living, with their beliefs, and you can still care about them. You can still care for their soul. You can still have an admiration and a respect for them and want the best for them and want their life to be turned to God and want to see them repent and live for God. Now look at verses 29 and 30. Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen, so what was prophesied in the dream came true. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built? Listen to his language, who he thinks is the God, who he thinks is the true king. This great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. Who's full of himself? He's absolutely, totally full of himself. He sees himself as top of the universe. He is the ultimate king in his mind. In fact, he's already defeated the king of Israel, hasn't he? He's defeated and destroyed their temple in Jerusalem, and he's captured their people, and they serve him, and he's changed their identity, so he believes. Why would he not see himself as anything but God-like? That's exactly the way he sees himself. So for a whole year, we see, Nebuchadnezzar went along after hearing what the dream was about, the interpretation of it. He went along thinking everything's fine. Don't we do that sometimes? We know God's word. We hear what it says. And we go along like, well, maybe God won't. He'll he'll forget. He'll be preoccupied with something else. He's not thinking about me. He's not looking. I'll keep on doing what I want to do, and then I'll change later. And we always think we're going to have later. But look what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. While he was praising himself, while he was speaking those words, uh, God spoke to him saying, The kingdom has departed from you, verse 31, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to realize he wasn't God. God was God. He wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know the true king. Verse 33, immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew long as eagles' feathers and his nails were like birds' claws. Can you imagine what that looked like? And in verse 32, it repeats the reason God did this. He tells Nebuchadnezzar how long this would last until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it. To whom he will. Can you imagine Daniel possibly seeing this transformation happen? We don't know if anybody saw it, but, but can you imagine that? Daniel, this is somebody who he cares about, and he definitely wants to see him turn his life around to God. But imagine how terrifying that scene would be. That's like from a horror movie where the, the guy t- starts turning into the werewolf or something, right? 
That, that's what's happening right here. This is like the first horror movie scene where somebody turns into a creature. And yet God was doing this in a very unusual way to bring the most powerful man in the world to God, to turn his heart around. The one who thought himself godlike would become beast-like. The one who had refused to honor God, his glory, would lose his own glory. The one who had refused to share with the poor would now become poorer than poor. And the great king Nebuchadnezzar became on the outside what he was on the inside, beast-like. That's what he literally became. He became what was in his heart, who he had been living, what he had been living like. But thankfully, the story isn't over yet because God is a redemptive God. God is a God of grace and mercy and second chances because probably all of us have found ourselves in one way or another being like Nebuchadnezzar in some way in our attitude and in our lifestyle and in our thinking and our hearts. And he ends his letter the way he begins it, by praising God. Listen to what he writes in verses 34 and 35. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. Imagine him as a beast on the ground. And we don't know really how long that period of time was. It's not spelled out in detail for us. But imagine him as a beast on the ground in the forest. And he comes to this point and he lifts his eyes to heaven. My reason returned to me, he writes. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can say, stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? He's saying, I finally realize that God is God and he is so far above us and greater than us. He is so far superior and sovereign that who are we to even question why he does what he does. God, the God of Daniel, is truly the great God, almighty God. And after looking down on the ground like an animal, Nebuchadnezzar finally turns and looks up to the God of heaven. And he was restored. He came to learn the meaning of what we see in Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Have you ever been there where all you can do is look up because everything in your world is down on the ground? That's how low things are in your life. But we can we got to remember that we can always turn and look up. And that's where our eyes need to be fixed. Is our eyes fixed on Jesus, fixed on heaven? We need to remember to turn and look up to heaven. Look up to our God who is our deliverer, our helper. He is the one who helps us. Nebuchadnezzar finally learns the lesson 
that God is the Most High, that He's the true King, that He rules the kingdom of men. And He puts in position who He wills. And He does what He wants. And our choice is either to worship Him or not. Because like the saying goes, you'll either bow now or you'll bow later. Everyone at one, one day will bow before God's throne. Now look at verse number 37. We read the last words recorded by King Nebuchadnezzar. These are the last words that we have of this great king who went through all of this, who had to experience all of this and finally turned his heart to God. And these are his last words. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. This was the only time the phrase king of heaven is recorded in the Old Testament. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Again, Nebuchadnezzar teaches us a powerful lesson. He teaches us who God is because this is what he learned. And remember, he writes this letter to the entire world. He said, I, I learned who God is and I want everyone to know who God is. This is God. His works are right. Everything he does is right. Who are we to question? Because he's God and everything he does is just. And he's able to humble those of us who walk in, with such pride. Now, think about it. How did King Nebuchadnezzar get to this point? How did he get to the point where his heart was pricked, where his heart was broken, where his heart was turned towards God, and he changed his life? He got there because one person named Daniel was willing to take a bold stand and say what God's message was to him, to say what God wanted said to him, to tell him the word of God, the message of God, knowing that his life was at stake. See, we're worried about, about social pressure. We're worried about somebody saying something mean. We're worried about being uh, uh, penalized at work or, or socially or something like that. And those can, those can have a real, make a real difference in our lives. But his life was literally at stake. And he was willing to say what God wanted said to him. And it changed that man's life forever. And what happens when the most powerful man in the world turns his life to God. Well, we don't see a lot more of this, that particular story, do we? But we do know that's what happened because one person was willing to stand and share God's message. What difference can we make by sharing the message of God with somebody? They don't have to be powerful. In this case, they were. And God wanted to see, even though they might be powerful and influential in this world. You share the message of God. You be willing to say what needs to be said so that people can know I am God. People can be saved. Nebuchadnezzar learned how fragile all human greatness is. He learned that all his political and military uh, power and his wealth meant nothing when the true sovereign king decided to act in his life. And he learned to stop putting his faith in the things of this world. And he put his faith 
in the true God. And Christians are called to deliver the same message of God, to turn to God, repent, and know Christ. Imagine the impact on people's lives that we can make if we would be more willing to stand up and speak God's message into people's lives. God may call you to deliver the message of God, the message of Christ to somebody. You have to ask yourself, are you ready to do that when that opportunity comes? When you're called in, when you're faced with that opportunity, are you ready to communicate the message of God? God has called us to do that. And He gives us all opportunities. Some of us are looking and some of us aren't. But we all have opportunities. Are you living like Daniel? Where you stand uh, full, uh, full of boldness, ready to communicate the Word of God, ready to share the message of the gospel with people? Are you boldly standing on the Word of truth, communicating the gospel message? That's what we're supposed to do. That's who we are and what we do. We tell people about Christ so that they can obey the gospel. That's what the church is for. The church of Christ. We are the body of Christ to share His message. Maybe you're ready this morning to turn your life over to Christ. You've heard the message. You've been studying. You've been praying about it. And now you're ready. You're saying, i I, I got to be like Nebuchadnezzar and turn my life around. I'm ready to do it this morning. We want you to know whatever your need is this morning. If, you're, if you need prayer for boldness in your life, if you need prayer to, to turn your life back to God, if you need prayer and to be baptized into Christ this morning, whatever your need is, we're here to help you. Come forward as we stand and as we sing. And we won't pray the Lord.